we doing tonight, table? Hey, let me just say this as a PSA way up front. It was like 98 degrees today with a 105 degree, whatever that thing is, it feels like 105 degrees kind of thing. Uh, heat index, is that what that is? Yeah. Um, drink some water, okay? I don't, wanna, I don't want any of you guys to be convicted by the Holy Spirit and then you go to raise your hand and then your back muscle cramps up and you fall over, right? I want you to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, but not the cramping portion of that uh, experience. So grab some water. There's waters in the back. Just let's, let's just be cool. Let's be cool out there. Uh, it's hot. Hey, I'm glad we're back together. Uh, Hurricane Dorian came last week. Uh, and so we had this Instagram Live thing. Well, Hurricane Dorian didn't come here. Uh, you know, I, I want to say this with all kind of sensitivity. We have friends in the Bahamas that we got to take care of things. Uh, so that was not good. But on our side, you know, not a lot happened here. And it was to some extent much ado about nothing. Um, but I missed hanging out with you guys. Uh, and I'm glad we get to get the band back together and study God's word and hang out and sing some songs and drink some coffee and some water. Uh, so I hope you guys are ready. If you have Bibles, go ahead and open them. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to start. We're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, as you're opening, let me just make a couple of remarks here. Number one, it is September 10th today. I don't know if you know that. Uh, September 10th is significant for two reasons. Number one, because it's Alec Brockell's birthday. Uh, Alec Brockell was born September 10th, 1997. And I know that specifically because I was saved on September 10th, 1997. Alec Brockell is exactly old as I am spiritually old. Uh, on this day, 22 years ago, on a Wednesday night, I was at a church service, much like this for young people, and uh, I heard the gospel clearly preached, and I got up and I walked down the center. Actually, I walked, I was sitting in the front row, I walked to the back, which is where we had our prayer counselor kind of situation, and I walked back there and I was like, hey, I want to pray to receive Christ. And they were like, okay. <laughs> it was very uh, transactional because I can be a little bit transactional about the way I talk. Uh, and, for, you know, if you know my story, I was born again, I was converted, I received Jesus, something different happened, a light switch turned on. So, like, all that stuff happened for me. That was 22 years ago today. And so I'm really thankful to be here, thankful for the work that God has done in my life to take me from being just a pretty horrible person in a sinner to being someone who is trying to be a better person, <laughs> uh, is imperfect. Uh, there's some laughter in the tech booth, they understand. Um, but uh, just by God's grace, I'm here today, and I'm excited to kind of bring my teaching gifting and help us walk through this passage. We are in, or in the midst of, this message series, a series of talks on this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. If you're not familiar with that, Paul is talking in Galatians about the fruit, the virtue, fruit of the life lived in Christ. If you follow Christ like I did 22 years ago, if you begin to trust Christ, there's this supernatural thing that's going to happen where he's going to produce this virtue in you. Um, these things that, that get cultivated, that you can cultivate in your life called the fruit of the Spirit. We have the shopping cart over here and we've said a lot of this, a lot of our life uh, is like going to the grocery store and we're walking around with this cart. This is representative of our life. And we're asking, what are the essential things we need to put in our basket, in the basket of our lives? Uh, and the fruit of the Spirit are those nine essential things we think you can, should put in your life, you should cultivate uh, to have the life that is um, at the fullest expression of what God intended for you. And that's kind of the, the purpose of these talks. We have already talked about love, and I want to start there to get where we're going today. Uh, we talked about love being the kind of super fruit that all other fruits are known by. And that's really important because we're going to talk about one that's closely associated with love here today. 
to set it up, let me talk about walking. Okay? I want to talk about walking. Now, show of hands, let's participate here. I want to know how many of you are fast walkers. You would say, I walk faster than average. No, don't be ashamed of this. You're a fast walker. Okay, got it. How many of you just, you're so confident about this, you're like, yo, I'm a slow walker. Okay, there we go, slow walkers. Uh, these are people who are always walking around to like a really slow R&B jam or maybe some reggae. They just maybe have the hand in the pocket and there's the little like this and their, their knee isn't even messed up. They just, they're like, yo, that's how I go. That's how I roll. How many of you would say you're average walkers? You're an average walker? Okay. Skywalkers. Do we have any skywalkers here? Maybe you have latent Jedi powers. No, no. Okay, cool. Oh, right here. Drew. Drew Skywalker. It's good to know. We'll, we'll talk later. Um, I'm a fast walker. Personally, anyone who knows me, I walk super fast. And I'm, I'm aware of it, but mostly unaware of it. Um, I just, I walk fast. I was a runner growing up. I just, I have a need to just move to get where I'm going. If I know that's my point, I'm going to move to get there. So I'm just going to use the stage here, right? On most days, if I'm walking and I get out of the car and I'm with Alec and Britt or Isaac, and I'm like, hey, let's go to the office this is the normal pace at which I walk, so just pay attention. <laughs> and I'm not joking, am I? This is the nor- normal, that is normal. If I'm walking and I go like this and I realize I'm late, this is what it looks like. I go, I'm late. <laughs> right? I move into like Olympic speed walker mode. Like I'm, I'm a fast walker. And in part, I'm a fast walker because uh, when I was in high school, I was in physics, and we learned something called time dilation. You guys know what time dilation is? John, John Dryling, you remember time dilation? You were a physics major? Okay, right? Time dilation, it, we, we learned this concept from the space industry. So if you take any mass, anything, and you accelerate it, time slows down for that object. So you can actually, they've done twin studies where they've taken a twin on Earth, and they've sent a twin into the kind of stratosphere. They've moved them around the planet really quickly. They both had watches on, the same watches, synchronized watches, ding, right? Boom, came back, um, and one of the twins' watches was a little bit faster than the other one. And the idea is if you move, if you add acceleration, speed to anything, for that person, time slows down. That's why, you guys know this, you've got the GPS situation going, maybe you've got Waze, Apple Maps, whatever you do, no judgment, uh, right? And it says 30 minutes to your destination, Right, you know, 16 miles if you're Orlando, 30 minutes uh, to your destination, and you go, I'm going to beat that, right? <laughs> you slam down on the accelerator, and you go faster, you actually get there sooner. That's what that means. The faster you go, the sooner you get there, and you're like, yeah, physics, uh, time dilation. That's what that is, and so I've kind of taken that approach to life that if I'll just move a little quicker between A and B, I can get more accomplished because I'll get there sooner, so I'll save time, so I can be more efficient, so I can do, right? Here's what this has done, though, however. This has caused me, and I'm not proud of this, to live in a life of constant hurry. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here ever hurry to the next thing? Hurrying is very interesting. It's this kind of physiological, psychological thing. It's this inner feeling of angst because you're not there yet. And so you're just like, oh, I got to hurry. I got to get there. 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 Get there. And just all the time, got to get there. You wake up in the morning, alarm goes off. You hit it and you're like, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. All day until you go to sleep and you're like, oh, I need to go to sleep. I got to get there. I got to get there. And you don't go to sleep quick enough. You're like, oh, I got to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Like your whole existence is hurrying. And that for me has been much of my existence. 
There is a, a song from the 90s with a band called Alabama. Do you guys know this band, the country band? Not the, not, not the university. Chill out, Roll Tide. Uh, not the state, the band, the country and western band, Alabama. We know it, right? song goes like this. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I've really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. That could be written about my life. I sometimes am in such a habit of hurrying that I'll hurry through everything and not even know why I'm hurrying. I'm like, why am I moving so fast? Can you slow down? Someone's like, why don't you stop and smell the roses? I'm like, well, I got to get somewhere, right? And I just, you know, I'm just, I'm in a hurry all the time. Does that sound familiar to anybody else here today? We live in a city called Orlando. I don't know if you know this, right? And my observation now, having lived in Orlando for three plus years, is Orlando is a city where all of the citizens are tourists. Some of us are here for a week. Some of us are here for a decade, but we're all tourists. And what I mean by that is it seems that everybody who lives here is thinking about the city they're going to live in next. Like, I'm in Orlando for now, but, you know, five years from now, I might live somewhere else. And so as a result, no one plants roots here. Everybody lives in apartments or short-term rentals, or they buy something, and they're like, eh, it's an investment property. I'm going to sell it because I'm going to move. I'm going to get to Atlanta. I'm going to get to Dallas. I'm going to get to Nashville. I'm going to get to L.A. I'm going to get to Chicago. I'm going to get to New York. I'm going to get to Boston. I'm in Orlando for a little bit. And it seems like a disproportionate number of people here operate that way. And because everybody is unrooted here, it seems like everybody is just kind of passing time here, and it creates this really weird frenetic energy to the culture. And that frenetic energy makes Orlando seem very transient, uh, very transitional, and everybody's transitional. And so that's why whenever you're trying to hang out with people, have you guys noticed this as young adults? It's like, it's the worst, man. You're like, hey, you want to hang out this weekend? Everyone's like, uh, yeah, three dots, right? Like, sure, yeah, yeah, let's talk tomorrow. You're like, okay, so you try to make plans. You send an iCal invite, no one responds. You're like, oh, are we hanging out? What's going on? Are we meeting at the deal? What's going on, right? And then you text everybody in your text exchange the day of, and like all of the people are like, oh, sorry, uh, I can't. I remembered uh, I have to read War and Peace, and I, I can't be there. And you're like, number one, why are you reading? Number two, why are you reading such an obscure piece of literature? Number three, does it not come on Amazon Kindle? Number four, who reads today? Number five, did you not know this yesterday? Right? Everyone seems so flaky at times. Do you guys get this? Part of the reason people seem so flaky is because people are transitory, because everyone's a tourist, because no one wants to plant roots here, because we're all in this hurry. We're in the hurry to get to the next thing, to think about beyond where we are right now. This is the angst of young adult life in Orlando. And I want to look at something tonight from God's word that speaks to this sense of angst that we all feel. This sense of being hurried, this solution to the problem of hurry in Orlando in 2019. And it's the fruit of the spirit we're going to look at today called patience. And so if you have your Bibles, open to Galatians Five, we'll read together, verse 22. Here's what Paul writes. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, there's another verse I want to show you real quick from there, and it's in 1 Corinthians 13.4. And I want you to notice the connection here because I want to make a point about what patience is. Paul is writing in the love chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding, someone has probably read this. It's the first part of this. He says this, love is patient 
and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Love is patient. There is a relationship between love, the superfruit, and patience. In fact, all of the fruit of the Spirit could be redefined in terms of love. Think about it. All of the fruit of the Spirit could be interpreted or reinterpreted, redefined in light of the word love. Joy is the emotion of love. Okay? Anytime you love someone, there's joy. You notice that first time, like maybe you got a boyfriend-girlfriend situation and you cross the barrier. You're like, I'm going to tell her tonight I love her, right? right? At the beginning of the date, no, that would be creepy. At the end of the date, right? How many dates have you gone on? Five. You're in the zone. You're okay. You're safe. First date, not a good idea. Fifth date, great idea, right? So you get to the end and you're like, I love you. And she tells you, I love you too. That emotion you feel, that's joy. No one is like, I love you. I love you too. Oh, the world is ending, right? No one is experiencing that. Joy is the emotion of love. Peace. Peace is the perspective of love. God is love. And if you can see from his perspective, anytime you can see your situation from his perspective, you will have peace. Because you're like, oh, God's got that. Peace, the perspective of love. Goodness. Goodness, later on we'll talk about. That is the ethic of love. Ethically loving people are good people. Bad people are typically not loving people. So goodness is the moral fabric or the ethic of love. Well, so what's patience? If, if love is patient and patient is somehow connected to love, uh, I want to give us a definition of what patience is here in light of love. It comes from the Greek word makrothymia, in case you're curious, which just means patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, steadfastness, perseverance. But I want to give you this. Patience is living life at the speed of love. This is what patience is. It's living life at the speed or the pace of love. It's a loveward pace of your life. If you think about how fast, how slow should I do something, uh, what pace should my life exist at, you kind of have this internal clock in your own being where you're like, oh, it feels too fast. You know this, especially if you're in any kind of dating relationship, feels like we're going too fast. Or some girls are like, it feels like we're going too slow. Or some guys are like, it feels like we're going too slow. Like you've, you've had all this kind of moment, right? You ask this about your own life. How do I feel like my life is moving? What direction am I moving in? Well, you're thinking about pace. Patience just means I am living my life at the pace of love. And another good way to think about it is uh, to think about it uh, in the way that uh, one guy has put it, and uh, his name is John Ortberg. John Ortberg is a pastor in San Francisco, and he says this. Uh, if you want to understand about living a patient, love, loving life, living life at the speed of love, keep in mind this. Love and hurry are incompatible. You can't live at the speed of love and hurry. That's why uh, patience is living at the speed of love. And he came to this profound quote by talking with one of his mentors. Uh, there's a guy named Dallas Willard who is a professor at the University of Southern California. He was a philosopher. And um, one day, John Ortberg, who's a pastor in San Francisco or the San Francisco area, uh, calls up his friend, Dallas Willard, who's a famous philosopher, and says, I'm a new pastor. I'm encountering all these problems. Um, I'm just kind of confused. I, I don't know what to do here. Uh, so could you just give me some wisdom that I could write down on this little pad here? And Dallas Willard goes, yes. And he goes, okay. So, like, you can see him. He's, like, on the phone. He gets out the pad, pen. He's like, okay, go. Willard says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Mm, okay, so he writes it down, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. He goes, okay, that's good. What's the second one? Like, what, what's another one? Pause on the phone. 
Willard goes, there's nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. If you're going to be the kind of person who is loving, then you are going to need to live in a patient type manner, which is to say, because love and hurry are incompatible, you cannot be a person whose life is like the way I walk, right? It's like, listen, I love you so much. I just want to let you, hold on, I'll be right back. Okay, yeah, look, okay. This cannot be your life. Love and hurry are incompatible. Patience is living at the pace of love. And the amazing thing about the Bible, just the gospel summarized in kind of one fresh way is to keep this in mind. Because God loves us, and I don't know if you know that. If you're here today, God loves you. He created you. Before you were ever born, God had a plan for your life and an idea of who you are. He has a purpose for you. He's given you unique gifts to bring into the world. And he wants to have a loving relationship with you. And because God is love and because God is patient with us, God never hurries past us. He never tells us to hurry up. He never hurries us. Check out this verse here in 2 Peter, in verse 3, 9. Uh, Peter is writing, so we've got Paul and Peter, kind of the two main writers of the New Testament. Peter writes this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you and me, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is not someone who will ever hurry us along. He never hurries past us. He never says, come on, keep up. You guys know what I'm talking about? You have those days. Anybody have siblings where you've had to go to the mall situation? Uh, You know what I'm talking about? You have friends who have siblings or cousins. You go to mall situation. Or you just go to the mall. You're in middle school. You've got some like younger middle schoolers. You're an eighth grader. You're a big person. They're a sixth grader. They're idiots, right? You know the situation. Like, and you're at the mall, and you're like, okay, let's go to H&M. So you decide to go to H&M, and then the young people, they're not coming with you, and you kind of have one of those moments. You're like, okay, listen, do I stay hip-to-hip with them to make sure that they're safe, or am I just like, ugh, why did they come with me? And you do a whole thing where you're just like walking, and you just turn, and you go, hurry up, come on. Oh, you're embarrassing me in front of my friends, right? We've all had those moments. Maybe you were the younger sibling, and you're like, I hate my sister to this day. I have issues and we need to talk about this. Can we pray with me, pastor, later on because I hate my sister, right? You've had those moments where someone has told you to hurry up or maybe you've told someone to hurry up and you just look at that visual right there. It's someone way out ahead of you looking back going like, oh, just come on. I'm over here. You're over there. Just like, can we close the gap a little bit? Can you do some push-ups or some sit-ups to work on your core so that you can strengthen your gait and keep up with me because I'm good and you're bad? Like, oh, this is the disposition of hurry. And it's incredibly unloving. And the good news of the gospel is that God never stands right here and looks at us and says, you need to hurry up. Why don't you get on my level? I'm God. I'm perfect. Oh, you missed that whole thing over there? Well, why don't you just hurry yourself up and go over here, right? God loves us. And he is patient with us. And when he invites you into a relationship, what he invites you to cultivate in our lives is this idea of patience. We live at the speed of love. We are unhurried. And so here's the question I want us to just think through tonight as we meditate, wherever you are. What would it look like to cultivate an unhurried life? Think about that. Have you, what would it look like for you to cultivate an unhurried life? And I want to think about it kind of in three areas. Uh, just Three things I think young people in general in Orlando are thinking through, and I'll try to provide some funny illustrations here. The first one is this. We can practice 
unhurry in estimating. We can practice unhurry in estimating. Let me give you an example. You're calling your wife, you're calling your husband, you're calling your boyfriend, you're calling your girlfriend, you're calling your friend, you're calling your parents, you're calling somebody that you care about on some level, and you're on I-4, which means this is bumper-to-bumper traffic all around you, right, at all times. Uh, And they say, the question we all hate to get on the phone, when are you going to be here? Now, you're already late, and you know you got to give them a time, and you know the people on the other end of that line, whatever time you give them, that's a blood oath, right? If you show up past that time, you're going to get grilled when you get there, right? And we all know this. We all have the same amount of data. We can look in our GPS and get an exact time, and we can tell it to them. What do all of us do? We lie, right? And we never lie about the over. We lie about the under, don't we? I'll be there in 15 minutes, right? You're in, you're in St. Cloud, and you're going to, like, uh, like St. Mary, okay, or Lake Mary, right? You're in St. Cloud. You're going to Lake Mary. That's, like, easily an hour, and you're like, I'll be there in 15 minutes, right? Uh, you're like, oh, I'm just around the corner. I'm just around the block. I'm just down the street. I'm just a few miles away. This is what we all do. Why? Because we're afraid if we say the actual time, someone in the other line is going to be like, oh, my gosh, hurry up. Why are you so late? Can I just encourage you with something? The best thing you can do in that moment when you're estimating time with a boss, with a loved one, with a friend, with somebody, um, I might encourage you to take the over. And, And not because you're lying, but because you will set yourself up to be unhurried. You know what happens anytime you tell somebody 15 minutes, it's gonna take you 30 minutes. You tell them and they go, oh, that's a relief. Cool, well, I'll just tell everybody here, click. And then you have the clock starts ticking in your mind. You're like, uh-oh, it's gonna be 30 minutes. And then when it's hit 10 minutes of your drive and you know there's 20 minutes left, but they think it's five minutes left, you start sweating. You're like, ooh, can I speed right here? I know this is a school zone, but I think the kids will dodge me, right? Uh, Like, I I just, I don't know, man. And then you find yourself starting to get angry with everybody around you, like the car slows down because it's traffic, because that's what it does. And you're like somehow now increasingly outrageously angry at them, like, oh, where did you learn to drive? Uh," And you're just like, oh, right? And then when you get there, as you're walking up to the steps, knowing you're 20 minutes later than you told them, and you're walking in, you're already starting to come up with excuses in your brain. You're like, yeah, see, what happened was... uh, like this leprechaun jumped out of the way. Like, yo, you know, right? Because I saw a rainbow because the rain came through. And then you know how there's always a rainbow after the rain comes through in the afternoon in Orlando? Yeah, at the end of that rainbow, there's a pot of gold, leprechaun, right? Right there. And they popped out and I saw it and I, was, I tried to swerve and it was like a Rambo moment. Like, Ugh! and you know, I missed the leprechaun, but then my car, see, like the tire came off and then I had to put it back on. And what had happened was I was trying, right? And everyone there knows you're lying. They're just doing this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Dinner's spoiled, right? No matter what you're saying right now, everything is wrong. Listen, believers, people who follow Jesus, people who follow God who does not hurry us, one of the best things we can do is be unhurried in the estimation of our time. If it's going to take you 20 minutes, tell them it's going to take you 20 minutes. You, you might even benefit yourself by th- saying, It says 20 minutes, but I would think about giving me 30. And here's the reason why. I think it's a really good habit for everybody here to do this, to under-promise and over-deliver. 
okay? Under promise and over deliver. In general, in life, that's a great way to live. Your boss comes to you and says, how long is this project going to take? And you're like, I want to appeal to my boss's good side. So maybe I'll tell him a little bit less and he'll be like, oh, I think well of you. But no, that gets you in trouble because if the project takes an hour and you tell him it's going to be 30 minutes and you turn it in an hour, he thinks you're late. And now he thinks you're lazy or you're somehow mismanaging your time. So what you do is if you know it's going to take you an hour, maybe you go, hey, I think it's going to take me an hour, but it could be as much as an hour and a half. So I'm just giving you that time range. Boss leaves and goes, it's going to be 90 minutes. And if you deliver in an hour, he thinks, oh, wow, this person is really efficient and hardworking. I should give them a promotion, right? The, the best thing you can do, Christ follower, is not hurry in the way that you estimate the time in your life. You underpromise. I th- it says this, but I think it could be longer, so I'm just letting you know expectations are set appropriately. And then if you uh, over-deliver there, you come out looking like a great person. It's a win for you. It's a win for the person on the other end of the line. Let me just tell you, I'm the king, again, in addition of hurrying through everything, I'm the king of over-promising and under-delivering on this time estimate. My wife calls. She's like, hey, how far are you out? Now, I'm at work. I live 30 minutes away by driving, okay? If you remove the lakes, I'm 10 minutes away from where I live, but this is Orlando. Uh, So I've got to drive around like 14 lakes and a few alligators just to get to my house. Uh, And that's just my situation. It's totally okay. The HOA price was totally fine. We're good. Okay, Uh, so my wife asked me, I'm a good 30 minutes away, and I will constantly be like 20 minutes. And when I get home and it's been 30 minutes, She's like, where were you? That is incredibly unloving to my wife. If I would just practice patience and say, it says 30 minutes, but it may be 40, that's incredibly loving to my wife. And my quality of driving is much, much better. Because if I get there earlier, I'm happy. I'm turning on Spotify. I'm like, play the hits, right? And I'm driving down like, like pulling in my driveway. I'm like, yeah, beat the time. This is great. So listen, practice unhurry in the way that you estimate. I think I've got that point off. Okay, next one. Practice unhurry in lines. You can practice unhurrying standing in lines. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? You're at Chick-fil-A. At the mall, you're at Chick-fil-A somewhere, right? And you're in line, and it's just taking forever, and what are we all thinking? Like, we all go in going, it's going to take five minutes. And when it gets to minute six, we're like, what's going on? Is this a new shift? Is this new staff? Do they not know how to use buttons? Can they not do math? And then everybody suddenly in every line around you becomes the worst person ever. What is this guy wearing? Oh, my goodness. Like, do you have a, do you have a wife that lets you go out of the house looking like that? Like, oh, my goodness, and all oh, these kids over here, why are they? They're so undisciplined. Are their parents not disciplined? You're there, and the worst is when you're in line and it's taking longer than you think, and you're like, at least I have my phone to distract me, but you only have 5%, and you're like, man, okay, 5%, so I probably shouldn't watch videos on YouTube. But what do you do? You watch videos on YouTube, right? Because you got to know how they make that cake that you're thinking about, right? So you're watching videos and your phone dies and then it's four more minutes and you're just like, and you hate all the people around you, right? Or imagine a line like this. You're on I-4 and there's traffic around you. You're trying to get to the thing. And at first you're like, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. I know it's red, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. And then 15 minutes later you haven't moved and you're like, I hate everybody on this road. I wanna slam the door and get out and punch everybody's car window. Like, they're all the worst, right? I was telling this kind of 
story here to some of our pastors today. I don't know if you know this, but occasionally our pastors will get together and we'll just kind of talk about some of these issues. So it was my turn to talk, and I talked about patience. So these are our pastors. And one of our pastors said, I am the most unloving person in the world when I'm in a line. And here's the reason why. Because when I'm in a line and people aren't moving as fast as I would want them to, all I'm thinking about is me. And I'm not thinking about anybody else, as if nobody else is frustrated that they're in traffic on I-4. As if nobody else is frustrated that the line at Chick-fil-A is not moving fast enough. As if nobody else matters. All I care about is my time. Patience is living life at the pace of love. Even for the people who are suffering in line with you at Chick-fil-A or on I-4. So, something else to keep in mind here in these moments is that efficiency is not a core value in the kingdom of God. I think a lot of times when we're in lines and it's not moving fast enough or we're on the interstate and it's not going fast enough, our number one chief uh, value that's being violated is this is inefficient. Can't they build a bigger road? Can't they hire more people? Can't they? We could be more efficient. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm not certain efficiency is a value in the kingdom of God. I think efficiency might be an idol in American life. We're concerned about efficiency God is more concerned about love. And sometimes love and hurry are incompatible and love and efficiency are incompatible because efficiency turns everybody around me and makes them these objects in my way instead of people that God has put in my world to love. And so if I can encourage you with anything, unhurry while you're in lines. Now everybody's gonna go to Universal or Disney later on and you're gonna be sitting there and you're gonna be like, 45 minutes, oh my goodness. This ride never takes 45 minutes, right? And I'll just encourage you something. What if God put you in that line and made it go 10 more minutes so that you could be around these people and they could see a believer who waits in line patiently? Just a thought. Last one, here we go. <laughs> unhurry in your, estimating unhurry in your lines, unhurry in your life stage. Unhurry in your life stage. I'm uh, aware that a lot of you in this room uh, are probably on some level thinking this. I'm in this life stage, but I would like to be in the next life stage. And it's not happening on my timetable. And so God, can you just like hurry me into this next life stage? Because that's where it seems like everybody's really having fun. Meanwhile, I'm over here on the short bus of life, like doing my thing. And I want to be over there because that's where the real winners are, right? And we're thinking about that. Maybe for you, you're a college student. You're like, I just want to graduate from college and get a real job so that I can get out of my parents' house. Uh, I'll even pay for my own insurance, even though I'm not 25 yet. Like just, just get me out of the house because when I'm a young professional, that's when I'm having the best fun ever, right? I have my own money. I have my own time, operating my own schedule. That's where the real blessing is. And then you get to be a young professional and you're a single and you're like, uh, getting married is where I really need to be, right? This is fun and it's fun to not be a college student anymore, but I want to be a young professional. I want to be someone who's married. I know I have a job. It's time to get a wife and a, and a house and, you know, whatever else comes along with that. That's where all the best people are. And some of you are single and you want to be married and you're looking at all your married friends, all your friends are getting married. And you're like, oh my goodness, I'm the last person here. I'm like the last person out of Vietnam. All the helicopters are taking off. And I'm just here looking around like, when is it my turn? When is it my turn, right? And I'm longing for that next phase. And I'm like, God, can you just hurry me into that phase? 
And some of you are married, and you, all your friends are starting to have kids, and you're not having kids yet, and you're like, okay, man, I don't know what we got to do. I don't know if we need to get alcohol involved or something. It just seems like that's always the situation. Alcohol and then pregnancy go together. So what do we got to do to get into that next phase of life? Because that's where the real blessing is, right? And then everybody who's married with kids says the same things. I wish I was single again, right? Uh... Because, like, you're like, oh, my goodness, my kids won't go to sleep. And um, I look at my single friends, and they can just come and go and do whatever they want. I miss those days because they sleep, and I don't sleep anymore, right? And you're just thinking, right, we all are looking to whatever phase. Okay, maybe that was a little too hard. I love my wife. Natalie, if you're listening to this, I love you. Kids, if you're listening to this, I love you, right? Uh, Maybe if you're married with kids, what you're longing for in reality is you're longing for your kids to graduate and go to college and be independent so you can live that empty nester life. Do you guys know about this empty left nester life? Do you all know about this? It's when your kids move out and they're independent and they can make money and you just go on cruises all the time, right? It's your whole existence. It's just like, which cruise ship are we getting on? Do we want to cruise in warm waters or cold waters? That's your whole, really every day when you get up. That seems like a really good life, right? And the people who are there are just like, man, I can't wait to get, die and go to heaven. That's where the real party is. I get to see Jesus. This is amazing, Right? Listen, I'm just telling you, at some point, uh, at at, at any point in your life, you're going to be thinking it's the next phase of life that's the best. I'm in this job. I've got a career plan. But it's the next bump, the next pay scale where I'm really going to experience the blessing. Or I'm in this. I'm single, but I really want to be dating. Or I'm dating, but I really want to be engaged. I'm engaged. I really want to be married. Right? It's the next season that's the blessing. And that can make us impatient. And we can pray and pray and pray that God would just hurry us into the next thing. Like, Jesus, I'll lower my standards. Just, if he has a pulse, right? Like, if he's ever worn, like, something that has a T on it, that looks like a cross. Maybe that gets him into heaven. I don't know. Like, can we just, yes, I don't need him to be taller than me. Uh, I won't wear heels, right? We'll just never wear heels when I go. It's just flats all the time, right? We're, we're just hoping he'll hurry us along, but we got to remember that God never hurries us because love and hurry are incompatible. And so if I can encourage you with anything, it's this. Bloom where you're planted. Wherever God has you right now, understand that's where he's planted you. So you just go, okay, God, you might move me from here. You might, but I'm going to try to plant roots wherever I am, and I'm going to embrace everything you have for me in my singleness. I'm going to embrace everything you have for me in my young married life. I'm going to embrace everything you have for me in my college life where I'm poor and I have to eat ramen noodles all the time, right? I'm going to embrace everything you have for me as a young married, as a medium married, as an you know, empty nester, as someone who's a legacy adult, I'm going to wherever you have me in this season, I'm not going to make an idol out of the next season. I'm going to embrace what I have right here. Patience is living life at the pace of love. Um, Natalie and I were watching Netflix the other day uh, because that's what we do. Um, so, Doug, there's this new show on Netflix it's called Falling in Love. Have you seen this? In with two N's, I-N-N. Anybody seen this yet? Okay. Netflix is trying to get into the Hallmark game, right? You guys are familiar with the Hallmark movies? Like every movie is the same amount of uh, screen length. It's the exact same plot. 
Like it's really like a Mad Libs. They just insert different characters into it. Uh, copy and paste, as Tristan says. Yeah. Uh, now, I see a lot of girls doing this. I see a lot of guys like, what? Okay. So I'm gonna, I, I want to get back to this because it philosophically has a point. But let me, guys, just say this. It's like a Power Rangers episode, right? Uh, there's a bad guy who shows up. You can copy and paste. It's the Green Ranger who wins this time. It's the, you know, Blue Ranger, like whatever, right? Someone ultimately wins. There's a Megazord, right? And they just come together, right? Okay. Okay, guys, we got this. We good? Okay. So in these Hallmark movies, in this movie we were watching, uh, it has this basic template plot. There's a young girl who lives in the city, right? And she does a white-collar job where she makes a lot of money, okay? But then something happens, and she ends up in a small town with no Wi-Fi, okay? And she is frustrated that her pace of life has now been forced to slow down. She likes the hurry and the hustle and bustle. Now she lives in a place where no one hurries. And she, you always, they let you know that she's frustrated by the hurry because she does one of about three things. She goes to a store to buy something and they're like, beep. Beep, right? And she's just like, what are you doing, Right? Or she goes into a coffee shop, she orders something, and they're like, oh, okay, you want a latte? Cool. We're having a latte. And the guy at the bar is like, latte, L, A, right? And she's like, what are you doing, right? There's always some kind of scene to let you know it's a slow down, less hurried pace of life. And initially, she hates it. But then she starts to meet some quirky citizens of this town. Uh, an old man who treats her as the daughter he never had. Uh, an old woman who treats her as the daughter he never had, right? Uh, or she never had, uh, right? Then she always inevitably will meet some dreamy-looking uh, underwear model who happens to wear flannel in this particular moment, right? <laughs> and there's a spark after the meet cute, and this becomes her new approximate community for the duration of the film. And little by little, she falls in love with their quaint, quirky, slow down pace of life. And she falls in love with the gentleman and they have a moment and it seems like everybody's gonna get together and there's some kind of made up problem that they solve. Uh, and then there's like some scripted song that they play and at the bottom of the screen then the lower third, it's like, you can download this on Spotify right now, right? There's all these tie-ins. And then at that moment, what happens? The boyfriend from the city shows up in the small town. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna take you from this podunk, slow downtown back to this busy, fast-paced, exciting place. And she's torn. Do I stay in the slow down, unhurried life? Do I move back to the big city where everything is exciting and fast? What will I do? And there's about 30 seconds where like they shoot her and she's like on a beanbag in a corner loft somewhere looking out the window. And then the next thing, she's at a coffee shop waiting on her latte. And then the next scene, she's riding a bicycle through the middle of town like what will I do and ultimately what always happens she comes to the conclusion I'm going to choose the town over the big city I'm going to choose the new guy over the old guy and that is where they come together and right before they kiss roll credits right this is every Hallmark Lifetime film ever, and I think we watch it because it's so familiar and because we like a fantasy every now and then, and it's always happy and everything always works, and here's the thing about this. I don't think that speaks to most of us because it's fantasy. I think all of those stories speak to us because we know intuitively that's the ideal reality God designed for us. 
We all live in the big city, hurrying, bustling, hustling here and to, and we know that's unsustainable in our lives. We can't keep hurrying this way, and we're just praying that God will show us this community of quirky, slow-down people who do not hurry through things and live counterculturally to everything we understand to be true. And if we could find that, we could find our ideal community. We would stay there forever. And friends, I have good news for you. There is a place where this unhurried way of life exists. It's called the church. Our small groups, our communities are designed to be people of unhurried lifestyles. Think about it. Every time you go to a small group class, a small group or a class or something like this, what happens? You sit down in a living room and they're on a couch and you're drinking your coffees or whatever and a leader comes in to facilitate that meeting and they always do the same thing. They say, let's check in. How is everybody? And you go around the circle and everybody gets to tell their part of the story. And any of you who are like me who just want the thing to move along because you know there's a deadline is like, She's talking now. Okay, okay, got to get through this, all right? He's talking now. Okay, okay. That person went really quickly. I love you. They're talking now. It's so slow, okay, right? And we all are just aware that it just is moving at a glacier-like pace, but everybody gets included. And then when there's a prayer request time, everybody gets to share a prayer request, and no one hurries, and we take our time. And when there's food, everybody gets some food because everybody's included, and we don't hurry we take our time. And when there's uh, some type of service project, everybody gets to help because everybody's included and there's never any hurry. And when the life group is over and you know it's 8 o'clock, it's time you've told up front the facilitator says, hey, at 8 o'clock we'll be done, we'll pray. It's 8.30, everybody sticks around, right? No one gets kicked out of the life group because it's 8.30 because no one's in a rush because no one's hurrying. Why? Because the Christian church is built on this idea of love. And in community, love and hurry are incompatible. And so if you're someone who is looking for that type of reality, you're not going to find it in a Hallmark movie. You're not going to find it on Netflix. You're only going to find that in the Christian church. As all of us learn to lean into Jesus and follow him at the pace of love. Let's pray. Jesus, I uh, pray for my friends here that you would teach us to follow you not only in your moral framework and your teachings, not only uh, in your power and in your greatness, not only uh, in the way that you celebrate and the way that you love the Father, but Lord, teach us to walk at the pace of love in the way we wake up, in the way we go to work, in the way we go to class, in the way we budget our schedules, in the way that we come home and we greet our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors, in the way we go to sleep. May we live the unhurried life. May we radically eliminate, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our schedules. And teach us how to do that in a way that's not foolish, that's not slow for the sake of being slow, but in a way that honors you and allows us to be good workers in the task you've set before us. Help give us wisdom and give us community around us to be accountability to help us live out the unhurried life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
I want to invite you to stand if you're able. We're going to practice an unhurried life right now in the way that we sing this song. Some of you may have noticed that we intentionally try to slow down our response song. And part of the reason we do that is because we want to be unhurried when we get to the end of the gathering. Uh, I, I will admit this, sometimes when we sing a slow song like the one we're about to sing, I'm going, speed it up a little bit. Like, can you give me the disco version of this? Uh, you know, can, can we do the, like, remix of this? <laughs> we get through it quicker because you're thinking, I'm ready to say amen and then go get another coffee on the way to my car so I can get to the next thing. And I got to get out of here. Y'all are dragging this gathering on a little bit. And sometimes, yes, we may drag it on a little bit, but most of the time we do this because we want to give you an unhurried space to think about God's word and what he might be saying to you right now. And so I've asked Jackson to come up here with Jack and in a really chill way, play a slow song with lots of pauses so we can live at the pace of love. And we're going to sing a song to Jesus. It's called Jesus, I Love You. It's really easy. I'm sure you've heard it before. If you don't, just sing along and make it up until you figure it out. That's okay. There's no rush. Just take your time. And then when we're done, uh, we'll transition. Some people come up and do highlights. And then when we're done with that, we'll hug and pray. And I want to invite you to practice unhurrying as you exit this place. Maybe you stick around in the back and want to check out the Connection Lounge. You have questions. Maybe you want to grab an extra water or coffee. Maybe you want to chill in the parking lot out there. Maybe you want to mosey on over to Ale House or IHOP or wherever you go after this. But whatever you do, see this as an opportunity to intentionally practice patience in the way that you respond. So Jackson, Jack, will you guys lead us?